their compliments to him, uh, how they liked his message, except for one man who said, that was a very dull and boring sermon, Pastor. A few minutes later, the same man appeared in the line again, and he said, I don't think you did much preparation for your message. And once again, the same guy appeared in line, muttering this time, oh, you really blew it this time. You have a thing to say, Pastor. Finally, the pastor couldn't take it any longer, so he walked over to one of the deacons and asked about the guy who kept coming back in line. And the deacon explained, oh, you don't worry about him. All he does is go around repeating what everybody else says. <laughs> so hopefully I don't have anybody coming back in line a couple times this morning. Have you ever heard the phrase, becoming more like Jesus? I've heard that ever since I was little going to church and, and, and hearing that phrase coined. It was like, you know, I, I often thought about that. How in the world is that possible? Um, becoming more like Jesus. I mean, the goal of a believer's life is to be more like the, the, the one who saved us, um, the one who came to save us, the son of, of God. And yet it seems so far-fetched to think, how can you become like someone who was perfect? I mean, you know, even maybe this morning someone had a, a slip of, of, uh, of the tongue or a, an action that wasn't conducive to being like Jesus. I have issues that I deal with um, that, you know, is not anywhere close to what Jesus is like. And yet we're supposed to be and we're called to be more like Jesus. I struggled with this for a long time. And I guess finally I'm mature enough. I grew up enough. I lost some of that um, boyish. Well, I didn't lose that. Where's Karen at? She'll tell you I didn't lose that um, fervor. But I suppose the Holy Spirit felt it was time to reveal to me something that I needed to know um, and the answer I was looking for. I mean, think about it. All of us are under the curse from Adam and Eve. We all sin. We're born, born in the sin nature. We're in a, a state of passing away. We're in a state of decay. Um, even in the church, uh, as, as believer people, uh, we're imperfect people in a perfect institution, but we still have that um, ability to not do what we should be doing. Um, how often this past week have we, someone done something to us and we muttered under our breath, how often have we thought in our mind and gone over what we're going to tell that person the next time? How long, how often, or how close has it been to the time when uh, we have been in a confrontation and we, after the, the confrontation is over, we think, oh, I should have said this or I should have said that. And it's not even close to being what Jesus would have said. Uh, be more like Jesus. 
Turn with me from your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verses 41 to 45. I've been wrestling with this all week. And um, this is kind of a, 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 a cool answer to the question, can I become more like Jesus? Uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, uh, Matt, you know, teacher, when you come into your kingdom, can I be on the right and the other one be on the left? Uh, they were still in this particular realm uh, viewing his kingdom as an earthly kingdom. They hadn't got the concept yet that Jesus was speaking of, uh, of his um, kingdom yet to come. They thought this was the time and the place when he was going to set up his kingdom. And then the other ten disciples got wind of this, and they were kind of indignant towards these two. And Jesus said, no, wait a minute, guys. There's something you need to know. In verse 41, and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. And, but Jesus called him to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There it is. There it is. How do I become more like Jesus? Jesus came to do what? He came to serve. The greatest of all, to be greatest of all, we have to do what? Serve. Jesus said, I, I came to serve, not to be served. He was the King of kings and Lord of lords. He was the one who came to save us from all our sin. He, I came to give my life as a ransom. Freely I give, he said. No one takes my life from me, but freely I give. To become great among each other, we must become a servant. Uh, in the Greek, um, doulos, as we heard Pastor Doug coin the phrase before. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 Paul says he made himself nothing, taking on the very servant, the very nature uh, of a servant, or doulos, slave, ministry, service, to serve. This is the de definition of what it means. Wait on, help, attend to. All these adjectives pertain to what we are supposed to be about as believers. C.S. Lewis stated, a really humble man will not be thinking about humility. He won't be thinking about himself at all. The whole first part of the book of Mark up until chapter 10 and verse 45 had to do uh, with Jesus' servanthood. 
from then on, it had to do with him going to the cross. He was telling his disciples, this is what has to take place. Throughout the Gospels, what do we see Jesus doing? Healing the sick. Giving sight to the blind. The lame walked. He raised some from the dead. He, he gave uh, uh, life back to folks who had lost it. Their past was lost due to their lifestyle. He fed two massive crowds of people. He blessed the children. He taught. He cooked. He turned water into wine. And he went to the cross. His whole life here on earth was about serving. His whole attitude was that about service. He came here not to be served, but to serve. His purpose was to become the perfect Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. In the Gospel of of John in chapter 13, verses 3 through 17, we see Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, even with the closest folks that he was around. He was telling them what was about to take place. I have to go to the cross. I have to leave. They're going to kill me. They're going to crucify me. In verse 4 and 5, Jesus got up from the table in that particular um, chapter. He poured water into a a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. He girded himself with a towel. In the culture of that particular day, this particular job, menial job, was the role of the lowest servant in the home. Whenever travelers or guests would enter the house, the servant would wash the dust off their feet uh, before they had a meal. Because at, at, at that time, they wore sandals and everything was dirt road. They didn't have macadam back then. Even though the infrastructure from the Roman Empire was, was, was vast and great, it was still dirt, dusty roads. Then in 14, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, If I then... If I then, being the teacher, washed your feet, you should also do as I have done. In that particular culture, the teacher was the highest realm. They didn't bend down to do stuff for you. You did stuff for them. They were held in high esteem. And yet Jesus took on the nature of being a servant for his disciples. And he tells them, now, you should do as I have done for you. Paul reemphasizes this in the book of Romans in chapter 12, in verse 10. It says, be kindly and affectionate toward one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. In other words, thinking more highly of someone else than yourself. Serving one another. In verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In other words, what we do for each other is supposed to honor and glorify God and honor and glorify Jesus because we're serving him by doing something for someone else. In verse 13, distributing needs to, of, the, uh, of the saints given to hospitality. In other words, giving to each other's needs, serving each other in the time of need. 
being available when we, are, when we need to be available. And let me say something. There's, in, in Grace Community Church, I have seen the attitude of servanthood here in a lot of folks. When you're asked to do something, there's, there's usually no um, lack of, of persons who are, are willing to serve. Uh, when we have the Iwana program, all the folks that are involved in that, VBS, uh, the, the whole nine yards, the children's ministries that take, take place here. It's awesome to see the walk through Bethlehem, everybody that's involved in that. We're willing to serve. The greatest truth of the gospel measures the demonstration of Jesus' love uh, to one another with sacrifice, humility, and serving one another. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves whom is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love and keep his commandments. What is his commandment? What was the commandment that Jesus gave to us? The Pharisees asked him, what is the greatest commandment, wanting to trip him up? Because if he said that one was greater than all the rest, then that negated all the other ones. But he told them what they said in, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with your whole being. And then he, then he added another one. He said, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But what does that mean? How do you love your neighbor as yourself? By doing for them what you would do for yourself. It's not just having a feeling towards them, but it's an action. The love word there is action, a verb uh, that you're actually doing something. In John chapter 13, Jesus taught it in verse 34, Jesus taught his disciples to love one another. He said, a new commandment I give to you today, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. If you have love for someone, if you care about someone else, you're, you're not going to just push them to the side, of, and especially if they're in need, you're not going to let them go by their own. You're going to do something for that person. In verse 35, it sa- he said, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So our standard then is the demonstration of Christ's love for us. That's our standard. And what was his standard? He gave his life for us. He served us. Again, Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, describes this very idea. If we, having a personal union with Jesus, the basic reality of salvation and the comfort of knowing that Jesus came to die for our sin... We can become more like Jesus by, not, by looking not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. In other words, putting others before yourself. Now, I know in, in, in uh, the book of Philippians, this whole thing had to do with unity. Paul expresses a fourfold appeal that brings forth the major idea that unity in the church. I get that. Our true heart is revealed then when we put concern for other people ahead of ourselves. 
when we put concern for other people ahead of ourselves. John Calvin said it best, the highest honor in church is not government, but service. But service. How is this accomplished? By gathering and serving one another with the attitude of Jesus. When we come into to the worship service and we uh, and, and, and happenings around the church, we serve one another. And when we do it with the attitude of who Jesus Christ was, wow, isn't that a, 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 an exhilarating thought? Jesus is the example which we are supposed to follow. How do we become more like Jesus following his example? What was his example that he served? Now, I get it. There's always, even in church, that one person that can rub our last nerve raw. It happens. Uh, At work, in the workplace, there's always that one person. How do we deal with this? We have to still be in the world. We can't hide ourselves. We can't become a hermit and not be involved with people. So how do we deal this with this particular issue of servanthood and, and serving one another and loving one another when, when somebody gets they cut us off on the highway doesn't that tick you off I hate that when they come down a, a yield ramp and they're supposed to yield but they pull out on the road like they have the right of way um, Karen has to calm me down on that one uh, when somebody um, it says something to you that, that hurts your feelings. Um, doesn't that make you feel disgruntled? Sure it does. Um, sometimes we just get out of the wrong side of the bed in the morning and we just want to be grumpy for a while. It happens. So how does this whole idea of being in service to one another, how does that function when we're involved with people who are just as flawed as we are. How do we grab hold of that? How do we deal with people we come in contact with on a day-to-day basis? I'm glad you asked that. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 17. Paul says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Easier said than done. Correct? Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Um, who are our enemies? 
serving those who wrong us, uh, serving those who make us mad, those who cut us off, those who take advantage of us, or those who are just that irritant, that stone in our shoe. Verse 19 says, don't avenge yourself. Don't think in your mind, what am I going to tell that person the next time I see him? What, what, what's my comeback going to be? Don't rehearse the speech in your mind you're going to give every time you meet that person. Don't think in my mind, I'm going to really give it to him the next time and here's what I'm going to say. Paul says, you don't need to do that. God will take care of this. And it's easy for us to do. We get caught in that camp, don't we? Think about it. If you had a, if you had a bad day and, and, and someone does something nice for you, things are going awry, and somebody comes up and does something nice for you, whatever it may be, doesn't that change your countenance? If you're, if you're sick and you, you know, and I always liked when I was at home because mom always treated us special when we were sick, you know. We got to cuddle up and she'd make us soup and whatever and, you know. But doesn't that make you feel better when somebody is serving you? If somebody does something for you on a constant basis, doesn't that make you think, well, I want to do something back for them? I mean, in our area here, it's hard for our Pennsylvania Dutch pride to let someone do something for us, but when they do do it, doesn't it make us feel good? When you do something for somebody else, doesn't that make you feel good? I, I, I love what happens here at Grace Community Church when folks are, are, are sick and, you know, we give meals out and, and things like that when they have babies and, and the, the whole nine yards. Um, it's pretty cool. But I've heard people, and not necessarily here, but I've heard people in our area say, well, you know, when I go to church, I really don't get a lot out of it. Can I tell you, you get out of it what you put into it? If you want to be more like Jesus, you want to have a, a, a closer relationship to Jesus, and you want to become more like him, and you start serving and doing stuff for other people, that is going to change the whole dynamic of what, is, what it's called to be a Christian, what it's called to be a believer. Paul talks about this... Here he says, don't give in to the idea that we have to retaliate, that we have to get back, that we have to do something um, that is vengeful. He says, instead, do something loving to that person. In doing that, it's going to put the burden on them instead of you. There's too many times when we harbor bad feelings in, our, in, in us and we think we're getting back at them. And actually, what's it doing? It's eating at us. And it ain't doing nothing to the other person. How better to display Jesus to someone else than giving a true example of how Jesus served us by serving them? Does that make sense? It came out a little wrong of what I wanted to say. So many times we get into situations where we have no idea who's watching us at that time. And we don't even realize that we're under the microscope. 
several years ago, a preacher from out of state accepted a call to a larger church, a larger city in Texas, to a church in a larger city in Texas. Some weeks after he arrived, he had an occasion to ride the bus from uh, his his uh, place where he lived into downtown. When he sat down, he discovered the bus driver had given him 25 cents too much change. And he considered what to do. He thought, you better give the quarter back. It would be wrong to keep it. And then he thought, oh, forget it. Uh, It's only a quarter. Who would worry about this little amount anyway? It's only 25 cents. Anyway, the bus company gets too much fare. They'll never miss it. Accept it as a gift of God and be quiet about it. So when his stop came, he paused momentarily at the door and handed the quarter to the driver and said, Here, you gave me too much change. And then the driver smiled and replied, Aren't you the new preacher in town? Yes, he replied. Well, he said, I've been thinking a lot lately about going somewhere to worship. And I wanted to see what you'd do if I gave you too much change. I'll see you in church on Sunday. Pastor got off the bus and thought to himself, you know, I almost sold Jesus out for a quarter. If you were on trial, and you heard this, me say this before, if you were on trial for being called a Christian, for being a believer, would you be persecuted for that? Would you be arrested and, and charged with, a, with that crime? Would you be convicted by your actions? People are always looking to see what we will do in a given situation. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Are we becoming more like him? When we call ourselves Christians, we carry that weight on our shoulders. We carry the name of Jesus Christ with us wherever we go. Being a Christian is a lot like being on candid camera. Who who remembers candid camera? I'm dating myself now. When you at least expect it, expect it because you never know who's watching. Jesus gave us the example, the way to be more like him. (laughs) Consider this, even now Jesus is in heaven serving us. He told his disciples in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I'm coming back to get you so you can be where I am. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We are told in in Hebrews, he went to the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing there? He's making intercession for us. He's still serving us. So how much more should we want to serve him? By serving and thinking about others, putting them before ourselves, how comes it took me that long to to discover that's the key, becoming more like Jesus. Think about this as we close. Watch your thoughts, because your thoughts become your words. Watch your words, for they become your actions. Watch your actions, 
for they become your habits. Uh, watch your habits because they become your character. And then watch your character because that becomes your destiny. Become more like Jesus? Um, we can. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, how exciting it is to see and to dig into what Jesus did while he was here, giving us the example of, of serving other folks and, and being able to uplift them, uh, being able to uh, encourage them, being able, oh God, to, to do for them that which they may not be able to do for themselves. And yet, oh God, you give us the opportunity to serve one another as the demonstration of our love for our Lord and Savior. Father, to be like him, uh, to be able to, uh, to rest in knowing. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He will be with us always, even to the end of the age, uh, giving us the, the encouragement to go ahead and go forth into the world, proclaiming the good news that Jesus came for us to die for our sins. Father, we thank you for the demonstration of the great love that you have for us, and may we be able to go forth and do the same. And we'll praise you all for it. In Jesus' name, amen.